I'll go start the coffee. I'll be down in a minute. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura, wake up. Good morning. Welcome to our morning Bible study. Good morning. Reading a chapter of the Bible a day, and today we're reading Luke chapter 2. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard this one before? Of Luke chapter <laughs> 2? Yes. Yes. Yeah, chances are you've heard this, even if you've never read the Bible, because they, like, recite it in Charlie Brown and mm-hmm. a bunch of, bunch of things, people, at least the first part, so... We'll read it, and if we have any questions, we'll talk about it. Sounds good. Don't know how many questions we'll have. So it's so well known, but we'll see. All right, Luke, chapter two: the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up to the town of Nazareth, or I'm sorry, from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. What are your thoughts on that? It's hard not to read it the way that I had children say it with the cadence. I was mm-hmm. trying to read it more naturally, but I still could, couldn't could break away. <laughs> breasts in the right place so you could memorize it. Yeah, well, you have to pause at every comma, which is like every three words here. So. <laughs> um, Something I always emphasize... It's just how how this the story of Jesus being born is so centered in history. You know, you have that you have real places, you have real people, you have real historical events that are taking place. It isn't vague at all, it's just so specific. And that's kind of a style of Luke to put these facts down so that we could be very sure. Yeah, the first part's specific. Then there's like, you know, the birth story itself is pretty short, just like two sentences. Well, yeah. (laughs) I mean, he is a doctor. It is kind of nice he doesn't go into the detail of the birth story. I'm not saying he should. I'm just saying that, you know, we have these nativities and drawings and pictures and movies and reenactments where there's all these like animals around and this manger looks this way and you know there's all this space <laughs> like I don't know it's just there's you know Joseph's knocking on all these doors and you know it's like this big long you make it into a bigger, longer story, and here it's actually, there's not that much detail in the Bible of what actually happened. Yeah, there could have been one inn, which could have been one guy that had two rooms. <laughs> I showed up, it's like, oh, sorry. 
Well, it's Bethlehem. Yeah. You think it's a one in town? I don't know. You need to take a trip to Israel. Yeah. Well, I I mean, I think it would have been small, but Bethlehem would have been known for the place where the uh, sacrificial lambs were made or were, were herded. That would have been brought to the Temple yeah, of Jerusalem. it does say there was no room for them in the inn. So it does kind of sound like there might only be one inn. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't want to like, it's like go get to off the stoplight topic here. And there but it it's like just kind of not very detailed. I mean, I get what you're saying about the historical stuff. It is detailed, but this part's not. And well, compared to a six-page living nativity script... Right. That someone has. Or a two-hour theatrical movie that people have made and, mm-hmm. you know. Well, obviously, there's there's more to the the night than that. There, we're going to hear about the shepherds and angels next. But, yeah, just picturing what it was really like and not the like glorified version that we popularize at Christmas. Because I think it is such an important day mm-hmm. that we kind of want more details on it. But there's not. It's just she gave birth to her firstborn, wrapped him in cloths, placed him in a manger. That's it. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. For sure. All right. Verse 8. The shepherds and the angels. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see these things that have happened that the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which is which were just as they had been told. I think this goes into your, or goes back to what we were just talking about, that it was a small town. Because you think about the shepherds going and finding this baby in a manger. And if you have a small town that has no traffic and it's at night and a woman is giving birth, it wouldn't take the shepherds long to find out where that was if she's yelling in pain giving birth. So if they walk into town. After she has the baby. Because it says it's wrapped in cloths. I know, but so they walk... like walking in on her having a baby. No, not having a baby. But if they walk in a town and go, hey, do you know if a baby was born tonight? Mm -hmm. Anybody 
within earshot of someone yelling at the top of their lungs would have gone, uh, there was a woman screaming very loud over there. You might want to check there. Or they might have gone to the inn because, you know, and he said, well, we turned her away, but I think he's over at that guy's house yelling. But it just... <laughs> okay. But, you know, like, it's, it's amazing because finding the baby wrapped in claws lying in a manger, if you said somewhere in Sparks, you're going to know that it's a savior because it's a baby lying in a manger... We'd never find it. What are we going to do? Knock on everyone's door and be like, is there a baby in here in a manger? Well, it's possible they did that too. You know, could narrow down half the houses because they don't have barns. Just go to the houses with barns. I don't know. Yeah, it might have been a smaller town. But we know there are a lot of people there for the census since it's the house line of David. Like, it's not a small amount of people people's that's a family from i don't know well we could go check the census and see how many people (laughs) i just think i just think like it just hit me that you know without any extra noise pollution at all if someone is giving all the other people living there who have their own children if it's night and she's in a barn outside (sighs) this is very trivial I know. It's just interesting. Okay. Well, we have a lot of other stuff to talk about. I don't think it's that interesting. Okay. Um, But anyway. I think that verse 9 is always confusing to me when I read it. And maybe, I don't know if the newer version is less confusing. But there's a lot of... (laughs) The angel of the Lord appeared. The angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Are both those thems and they all the shepherd? Yes. Okay. Because when it says the glory of the Lord shone around them, then I'm thinking it's like the angels, because the glory is showing from them. Or I guess at this point it's only one angel, so that makes it clear, but. Mm hmm. It kind of, like, this means this. these angels are very bright, whereas we don't hear that necessarily when Gabriel appears to Zechariah or Mary, you know, about their face shining or glowing or whatever. So this is, this is different. The shepherds are terrified. We, we heard before different angel interactions. Some, some people aren't terrified. Yeah, the, the Greek is they feared a great fear. <laughs> Yeah, and then the when the angels had left them and gone in heaven, you know, they run and or hurry off, you know, I don't know if they ran, but then they spread the word concerning what had been told them, and everyone who heard it was amazed. So then, yeah, they, they maybe they know other people in town and they go talk about it. Mm-hmm. So, interesting. All right, and then the ne- the rest of the chapter is the rest of Jesus's childhood <laughs> in just thirty short verses. And then chapter three starts when he's thirty. So yeah, we kind of just started. It is pretty impressive that this is the most detailed account that we have and if you had to t- 
tell the story of your birth and childhood? Could you do it in 20 verses? Well, obviously depends how long the verses are. <laughs> no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be telling the story of my birth because I wasn't consciously aware of what was happening. Well, Jesus is not telling us either. <laughs> I know. Loop, but... <laughs> you said if you had it. Oh, you're right. Anyway. Okay. Yeah. Let's go on to This 20. is what is important. So, all right. Yeah. Well, one more thing about Jesus' birth. <laughs> I don't feel like talking about it too much just because it's so, you know. When we, you and I started this before it was like a Bible study we were sharing, it was just you and me discovering things that we maybe go over too quickly or, you know, haven't dug into. And Mm -hmm. this wouldn't be something I would normally stop on because I feel like it's definitely gets dug into and analyzed. And every, you know, Christmas there's like, eight church services <laughs> and yeah. you talk a lot about the shepherds we've talked about Mary we talk about you know every part of every verse here because this is a reading that's so so popular and there's a lot of other parts of the Bible that don't get you know maybe sermons re- written about them or sure. Bible studies well, written about so. them well rightfully so this is important I'm not but, saying it's not important but we I'm do go over saying, it a lot yeah yeah that I think there's not a lot of unanswered questions here except i mean obviously it's a miracle and mm. god coming down in human form is not to be <laughs> lightly <laughs> like discarded and i'm not saying it's not important i'm just saying i feel like there's not a verse that really throws me here but there's always still born to learn like this this year is there something you think that i don't know about this that you'd like to explain to me well i don't know if you remember listening to one of my Advent sermons because sometimes it's difficult with the children. But the point I kind of glossed over before, something I learned this year was that the shepherds took care of the ceremonial lambs that went to the temple and they would be born in Bethlehem and brought there. So it's just another kind of shadow of Jesus being born in Bethlehem, this ceremonial lamb that's going to be sacrificed at the temple. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's something that takes reading and research beyond this, but it's still fascinating to me. But, I mean, there always is more. It's just, you're right. Right. Well, and was it you or someone else who was talking about how the shepherds are, they are not they're not ceremonially ceremonially clean because Mm -hmm. they're around they're around animals and dead animals and animal stuff Mm -hmm. so it's not just that they're poor uneducated or lonely or far away they're actually like sinners yeah 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 but just kind of the first people that get to hear about jesus are Ceremonially unclean. Mm-hmm. All right. Jesus presented in the temple. Verse 21. On the eighth day, 
When it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification, according to the law of Moses, had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord, and to offer sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for, to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed the child and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And a sword will pierce your own soul, too. All right, I have some questions here. Great. Um, about Simeon or... Simeon. Anna? No, we didn't talk about it oh, yet. Oh, not yet. Sorry. Um, so they go to Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And... He is a prophet. Simeon is a prophet, or he talks with the Lord. The Holy Spirit was upon him, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit he would not die. So he was moved by the Spirit. He just kind of found Mary and Joseph and, like, just walked up to them and grabbed their baby. Yes. Appears that way. Then he says all this stuff, and it says, The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. They knew they are having this miraculous baby and that he's the son of God and angels appeared at his birth eight days ago. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean marveled? Like, they're surprised? Or what? what's the real word there? Like, um It's be astonished, wonder. It's kind of like, it's awe. Just awestruck by it. And... Well, I guess There's why something... would they be like, why would they be surprised? Not like they should walk around expecting compliments from people. It probably was like surprising that they, a person they didn't know without being introduced, could see this. I mean, there's probably all these other people walking by who have no idea that, you know, Jesus is the Son of God. But it just seems weird that they, they seem like, oh... Like, well, they we have a special baby. <laughs> like we forgot. Yeah, really, what information do they have about Jesus? I mean, um, they know that the it's going to be the Savior. That's going to be the Christ. But it's, it doesn't matter. I mean, when you're newborn parents for the first time, someone coming up to you and prophesying to you, even if there were angels eight days ago, it's still a amazing thing. The first time you go to a, the temple that somebody prophesies in this way about your child. And 
something about it, you know, and that it's not just going to be for the children of Israel, but also for the Gentiles. I mean, that might have been something that if this is a worldwide Savior. Oh, and a light. A light, yeah. yeah, to the Gentiles. So the glory of the people of Israel. But, I mean, that was something that is clear in the Old Testament, but that was something that a lot of the Jewish people kind of glossed over because they read the things a little bit too quickly. And so I think it's new, fresh information. And yeah, even if you saw an angel, having someone prophesy to you is still an amazing thing. Okay. I've never had it happen. I'm not, I'm not trying to like get mad at them. I'm just wondering why they get like shocked by certain things because you'd think they'd be like okay yes I have a special child and you know not that they would downplay it but just that it's noted that they marveled at it I don't know it's just weird and then this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many Israel Mm -hmm. Um, and a sword will pierce your own soul too so that will mean like yeah, he'll he'll be killed, and you know you'll be sad about it. But this prophecy sort of makes it seem like it's he's a, a war, more like a war le- leader. Mm-hmm. You know, sounds like more earthly. But it the the idea of him being a king would have been that he would have been ready for battle. Would have been that he would have been. Would have been that he would have been. <laughs> right, but it doesn't really say anything about, like, well, okay, well, salvation, but, is used, but there's nothing about, like, sin or heaven. It just so- does kind of sound like an earthly prophecy. Not that there's other people around who are going to be, like, thinking about this 30 years later, but, you know, just people who got confused later that Jesus was going to be an earthly leader. You'd see how some of these things were pointing mm-hmm. to people misunderstanding it. Like, this prophecy is not, like, Jesus will be a heavenly ruler, and he's going to save us from our sins, and he's going to do this. It's saying explicitly, like, he'll die by the sword. He's going to mess up a lot of stuff in Israel. You know, like, mm-hmm. it sounds like he's going to be a leader of the rebellion. Like, you know, it just it's kind of a confusing yeah, if you had but that idea, it would have been, I mean, like the confirmation conf- Yeah, confirming bias. your, what you were expecting, like a zealot, you know. All right, more prophecies. Verse 36, there was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Israel. Or, I'm sorry, the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew, grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. So we don't really know what Anna says. She just talks to them. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, do you think she talked about the redemption of Israel too, which kind of sounds like focused on the country instead of, you know, sort of weird. Just that's all I'm saying. I don't know, like, what it means, why they're not more clear about what his real purpose is, but I could see why it would be confusing to some people at the time and still after they're expecting an earthly ruler. And this is what the Jewish people try and pin on Jesus over and over again, that he he's leading an uprising. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's trying to be an earthly king, trying to do this. Maybe that's what it means, is like they're predicting that people will accuse him of that. He doesn't actually want to start a earthly redemption of Israel. He does, but his enemy is not the Romans. It's yeah, the it's not power earthly, of sin and death. Right, that, that's a spiritual redemption. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Simeon was old? I don't know. Yeah, I do, because that's what all the pictures <laughs> But it says Anna was very old. It doesn't say Simeon was very old. He it was, does say it he's going to be dismissed waiting. in peace. He's waiting. Yeah, but he could be 30 and waiting since he was 25. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't know where. It doesn't really say he's old. It just says he would not die before he saw the Christ. Mm-hmm. And then and he, he says, says I can be you dismissed. now dismiss your servant. So, like, I'm ready. I can die happy now. He could have been any age, I suppose, but, yeah. Just another one of those things that we have this mental image, All as right. long as we're kind of picking well, those things up. we are 41. going from this to that. So Luke does not mention the wise men. Nope. Or Herod. It's in Matthew. And, or their trip to uh, Egypt. Egypt. Yeah. That's all in Matthew. Okay, well then we won't talk about it. <laughs> okay. At some point we will. I'm just saying. It's, uh, yeah, it's always interesting, like, what's included and not included. So this makes it sound like they just went, they had the baby, they waited there eight days, they go to Jerusalem, and then it says they go back to Nazareth. And that's it. The child grew up and became strong. Same kind of passage as at the end of one, when we talked about um, John the Baptist. John the Baptist, it says, the child grew and became strong in spirit and lived in the desert until he appeared publicly to Israel. And then this one says, and the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was upon him. So it's just kind of like, that's just, saying fast forward to the next part. Yeah. I'm not going to tell well, you the whole Well, he wants to story. focus on Jesus' ministry. Right. This is kind of just background knowledge. Yes. It's important. But one more story about his youth, quickly. <laughs> it's the only story yeah. about Jesus' youth. Well, besides this circumcision and birth. But anyway. The baby thing, yeah. All right. 41, the boy Jesus at the temple. Every year his parents went to Jerusalem for the feast of the Passover. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the feast according to the custom. After the feast was over, while his parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but they were unaware of it. Thinking he was in their company, they traveled on for a day. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. 
After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in the wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. And that's the end of chapter 2. Long chapter. Do I have any questions about this? Do you have any questions about this? Again, this is something that we cover a lot. And for both of us, I think we understand why he wouldn't have been accounted for when they left. Because the people would have... Right. They'd all travel in big groups together with cousins and 12-year-old. They had a little bit more responsibility. And they're walking, you know. They're not, like, in a car where they're going to be noticing one person's gone. Mm-hmm. Just, like, everybody's going together. And, yeah, people didn't have the, I don't know, like, neediness that we have now to be, like, have your eyes on your children all the time. Like, there was trust in the community that your kids could walk with their cousins, especially at that age, you know, or walk with other family members. So it would have been... And Mary and Joseph probably had other children at this time, Mm -hmm. by this time. And maybe were caring for two or three other little babies, and the oldest one gets a little more responsibility. And Jesus would have just had his bar mitzvah. So he would have been considered a man, which is why he could go into the temple and talk to them. Mm-hmm. So maybe they were giving him a little bit more freedom yeah. to do that. Something that always blows my mind, the more I think about it, is that last verse of Jesus growing in knowledge. Why does that blow your mind? Just <laughs> thinking, well, thinking about an omniscient God learning. Yeah. And somebody asking questions about God being God. It's just something that always, the more I think about it, the more amazed I am. And I just say, well, I don't understand and move on. But it's... Well, it is is confusing to think about Jesus as a child having, yeah, having to be taught things, you know, like how to eat with, you know, these utensils or how to But can you imagine him learning? Learn to read and, you know, like he is not this, I mean, we don't know, but he's not a prodigy child who's like speaking and doing advanced math at age three. Well, is a prodigy according to uh, theology? His knowledge of God. Yeah, well, because the, the priests are right. amazed. But there's, he's still a human, mm-hmm. so he's not, yeah, like, going to be acting in a superhuman way or displaying his power 
as God or like doing miracles as a child, you know, like no. snapping his finger and his room's clean, you know. He's a normal person who has to do normal work and has to struggle and feels and, human emotions and you know, all sorts of things. And even through all of this, he has to be perfect. You know, he is I mean, perfect, but he's not He's without sin. Right, but I'm saying like he's not flying around no. doing stuff that he no, that it, other people can't do. But it's one thing for me to consider a thirty year old Jesus mm-hmm. living this perfect life and saying this is the sacrifice that I must take. It's another thing for me to think about a five year old Jesus being perfect and living his life knowing that I don't know, knowing or unknowing, it's just this mystery because the Bible doesn't go into, but still living a perfect life Mm -hmm. and never breaking a law or command that God has for us because it's just, I know a five-year-old, you know, and it's... You were a a five-year-old. I was a five-year-old, but I also know a five-year-old now in my life, and I know that, well... all five-year-olds, they get big emotions, and it's it's difficult. So right, but to those see, emotions... Not that an emotion is sinful. No, but they're... Yeah, like... Every, that makes you... I mean, it's, it's hard because everything we do and say is sinful because we have a sinful nature. So when you think about five-year-olds or eight-year-olds or 15-year-olds or 21-year-olds or whatever, mm-hmm. you're, whatever age you are, you always have selfish... Um, you know sinful desires yeah and you act on these things and you know and that's that makes you wonder like how much of our psychology is is sin because you know when you talk about young children well through what it, whatever they say 20 or 21 when you're you I think know, it's 25 when your brain finally fully develops right but you have like an egocentric like putting your, you know, self first or making bad short-term decisions and all these things. Is that your brain isn't developed? Is that because of sin? Like, if there hadn't been sin in the world, would our brains develop differently and people wouldn't, you know, like, so much to consider. So, like, was Jesus' brain chemistry different so that he didn't have those urges or did he just overcome them somehow, you know? It's sort sort of weird to think about. Because a lot of stuff, I mean, not that we make excuses for ourselves or for children, but when, like, teenagers are really messing up and making bad choices, there's always the, like, well, their brains aren't fully formed yet. And, and they have massive amounts of hormones. Right, so are hormones them. sinful? I don't believe so, but somehow but Jesus... But they lead us to sin because they make our brains stop functioning logically so we can't think through yeah. the steps of... I mean, telling a 16-year-old boy never to lust when you're right. looking around, it'd be extremely difficult because even if he doesn't want to do that, there are things in his mind that... So, mm-hmm. right. yeah, it's... So how so did Jesus, like, not have that same brain chemistry? Or was he just, like, able to overcome it, you know? kind of weird to think about like which parts of us are human and what God wanted us to be and which parts of us are human and are sinful but every part of us is sinful so being a man and being perfect is just it's this super contradictory 
difficult to understand teaching. So. Yeah, it's it's like trying to, I mean, once we're all mixed together in the solution of being a sinful person, we can't separate it out. Right. That's the picture that I have in Well, and there's no part of us that is perfect, like, you know... What, uh, what God intended Adam and Eve to be and then how sin affected them. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, we say we can't help it, you know, like, or we can't go a minute without sinning or, you know, putting ourselves first and stuff. So how did Jesus do it for all that time, his whole entire life? It's crazy. Yeah. It's what makes you really appreciate what he did. That it wasn't just a but I, momentary suffering and I see what you're trying to say about even as a child. But, I mean, we're going to hear about his life from 30 to 33, and it's just it's going to be just as hard then. I mean, obviously kids have... Agreed, it's just... We think of them as sassy and learning, you know, learning the rules, learning to obey, learning how to function in society... They make a lot of mistakes and they get corrected and then hopefully they're good functioning adults. But Jesus had people yelling at him, you know, calling him, you know, names. It would have been easy to react in anger or like when he's being killed. There's a lot of opportunities for Jesus to sin, um, not just in his youth, but throughout his whole entire life. So, yeah, yeah we don't I have was to just, talk about ages I guess 18 I was just, zero no, I know. 30. I was just talking about immaturity, I guess, was my thing and something I don't, I think I don't consider as often is the sacrifice of those years that he made between yeah. birth and 30. The sacrifice? It's a living sacrifice. Yeah, but you're saying like, it sounded like you're saying like, oh, he sacrificed all the sinning he could have been doing and he gave that all up for us. Like he could have been having he so was, much fun. He was <laughs> I know, he, a perfect he sacrifice. His sacrifice. life is the sacrifice. Like but yeah. He didn't like sacrifice. It's like, oh, I really could to his parents and lusting sure. and all this stuff. Like, oh, I could have been doing all that. I'm sacrificing for you by living Right, because the sacrifice is something. Perfect, yeah. not blemished. And right. Well, that's a lot to talk about. Next time, chapter three and John the Baptist. Sounds good. Bye-bye. Bye. Scooby-dooby-dooby-doo-wop. Pastor and Laura wake up.